Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, what up, what up, what's going on? It's Frequency, producer extraordinaire. You're checking out the mixtape with my man Six Cents and Nick Boogie. Let's go for it. Yeah. It's your boy Six Cents. Let's go. Uh, yeah, you know what it is. From the moment you come over the bridge, and I'ma show you some shit. Eight million roaming the strip, and I hope you ain't alone in the crib. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is New York HR. We are, uh, you know, we're still we're still quarantined. Um, but you know what? Things are opening up. There's some hesitations, of course, but things are opening up. But now, uh, I'm excited today. Uh, we have a guest on this show uh, that I connected with recently. Um, really comes with a contrarian viewpoint, but you know, unlike me, uses science to to prove his points. Um, so today we have a very special guest, Dr. Oren Davis. Uh, Dr. Davis uh, earned the first doctorate in positive psychology, by the way, uh, and works for um, you know really is helping me think about work from home today. And I'm, I'll let Oren go into, into some of his background, but what we're talking about today or what we're calling BS on is <clears throat> all companies. And, and of course my company, Susie is included in this ha- are making decisions to, to have their companies perpetually work from home. In some cases, whether it's Twitter or some other companies, they're giving the option um, in, in perpetuity, uh, for my company, we're doing it through 2020, uh, and and really the, the the discussion today, which again I love I love doing this show because we we bring in folks like Dr. Davis to come in and, and talk about contrarian viewpoints, is that while everyone believes they have the right setup for work from home, um, in reality they probably don't. So, uh, Dr. Davis, welcome to the show. Oren, how are you doing? Tell us a little bit about you what you do, um, and how, you know, we were talking about how you bring science to the conversation. Thank you. It's great to be here. So I do work in positive psychology, and most importantly, I bring positive psychology to the workplace. But I'm one of those folks who, you know, I I love the ivory tower, but I also love the real world. And one of the things that I found over the course of my career was that, you know, not always do the business worlds in the ivory tower actually get to meet. You need some people that are actually running between those two. So um, I like to be one of those folks who not only uses the cutting edge science, but it's actually one of the people who makes it. And so uh, what I do when I'm consulting for clients, some of the stuff that I'm doing for them is actually bringing like the hardcore primary research that I'm doing in my own laboratory out into the workplace. And so we're, you know, sometimes I'm running experiments with companies, and sometimes I'm helping them, and sometimes I'm actually doing both. Uh, we, we've seen, we've actually seen situations where I'm doing both at once. But uh, a lot of what I do is uh, working in the HR area, so helping companies with hiring strategies, diversity, equity, and inclusion, employee engagement, and uh, all those really make use of the background in positive psych 
and really get to apply it in the workplace. And uh, I've got a lot of questions about work from home, so I'm really excited to be talking about it. And, and I love it. I love the background. And, and for me, the interesting part is when you and I were talking, and so I was telling you about our decision to, to work from home for 20, uh, 2020, um, and, you know, I was excited about it. I've read all these things about work from home and the ability to have talent any, anywhere and all these good things that come with it. And you're like, well, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an important thing, but most companies have things set up wrong. So, you know, what, what, are, what is your, your position on this? What's your, your, your POV on the work from home setup right now? And what is that, you know, wh- why are we calling bullshit on it? Well, first of all, you know, whether work from home is actually going to work is complicated. Uh, it's not always so easy. There are people that really are well situated to work from home, and there are a whole lot of people that aren't. And one of the things that we've been forced to do right now is make everybody work from home uh, indiscriminately, and we're not really considering what it's going to take for them to do that or what we might need to put in. Um, and most importantly, what's happening is, unfortunately, a lot of companies are now stuck with leases in their offices, so they can't just take, you know, a cost savings of, okay, well, this person's not working in the office, so we don't need to pay for a desk, and we don't really need to rent out as much space, because they've got the leases, they've got the space rented out, so they can't just redirect that money. And when a company, when, when for companies where their leases are going to need to be renewed, and they're going to consider whether they're going to move to, you know, a smaller space, or hoteling or, you know, any number of other uh, possibilities, and they've got a cost savings, they're able to take that cost savings, pass it to the employees, and use that to help them do better work from home. But not everybody's, not everybody's doing that. And right now, um, most companies are not doing that, and that's why they're running into some uh, real disasters on this. They don't have to, but they could. And if they don't put in the money on this or the effort or the time or some real logistical effort, Work from home is just going to fall flat. So uh, it, it's a great point, and I and I agree. I think a lot of times we assume things are going to work, or or we have a really good idea of what it takes to <clears throat> move a company that had sat in an office to a work from home scenario. From your perspective, I mean, you're saying that companies are not prepared, right? Or they're not setting their employees up in the right way. From your, from what you've seen, what does it take to be productive from from working working from home? What what do companies need to start thinking about or doing differently? Because, you know, in my head, I'm like Zoom, laptop, headset, and I'm good. But you're saying no. So let's let's look at some basics here. The first one is the ergonomics. Just the fact that many people, when they go to work, they've got a halfway decent desk and chair. And even even folks, I mean, you think about even the cheap cubicles and the desks and the chairs. I mean, this is still office furniture, and it's at least nominally designed for at least a little bit of comfort. If for no other reason, then they want people to be comfortable sitting at their desks so that they don't get up. So uh, people need to have the wherewithal uh, to be comfortable. It's one thing to be, you know, sitting on your laptop banging for an hour and whatever, but when you're doing that 8, 10, 12 hours a day, that's not really so good for you. So you need to be able to have a desk. You need to have a chair. Uh, some people may even need standing desks or uh, things like, you know, some of the orthotics that go with uh, computers. You might need a wrist pad for the mouse. You might need a vertical mouse uh, instead, of a, instead of a flat one, uh, wrist pad for the keyboard. So things like that. That's first. Second is um, industrial-grade Internet is not the same as home Internet. 
especially, you know, the applications you're using. A lot of companies are now moving a lot of things into the cloud. So they need good internet in the office. You go home, you just don't need that kind of internet. And most people don't have it. I mean, gamers, but, you know, and people that, you know, do work from home, they're doing hardcore stuff. But you really need good internet, especially if you've got your stuff in the cloud. And that may mean that everybody uh, at home is going to need to seriously upgrade their internet, probably to the highest level. And that's a cost differential that the individual shouldn't have to bear. So the companies need to be paying for that also. You need to think about things like uh, a VPN. Um, what kind of phone service do they have? What kind of data plan service do they have? Um, what kinds of backups do they have if the internet goes down? You know, there's a much higher load on the internet. So all these things, it's very solvable. Uh, unfortunately, it is also uh, somewhat expensive, and companies do need to spend the money for that. Oh, and by the way, VPNs, security, uh, things like that, also very, very important to think about, uh, especially because uh, just, for example, if two people are living together and they're on the same Internet, uh, without a VPN or, you know, certain other security features, people can, people can snoop. So you've got to be careful with that, too. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think, you know, your points on ergonomics, right? So setting up something very similar to what they had in the office. And I agree, while there are some startups that probably didn't have the greatest furniture in their offices, um, getting a setup, getting a desk, a chair, you know, the right setup, the right, uh, the right mice, um, mouse, excuse me. Um, the, the internet is an interesting one, right? Because a lot of times we just like assume and, and, the interest, the other piece is not everyone has internet access, right? So not even just upgrading your internet, just getting internet access. You would assume that everyone has it and not everyone does. And then your, your point about VPN is a really, uh, a really strong one because a lot of times you have two folks, you know, roommates or, or even couples, whatever, that are working together and, and there's a security risk there. So th- those are great points. So th- those are the equipment type of things, right? The, the, the physical type of challenges that we see with a work from home environment. Now, you know, there's a lot of talk about virtual meetings, right? So the idea Zoom, um, you know, there's, a, there's a, an article almost on a weekly basis or even daily these days about Zoom fatigue, right? So how do you think about virtual meetings? Like how do you, you know, how are you thinking about virtual meetings versus real meetings? And, and maybe even, you know, in some ways, those interactions that happen in the, in the kitchen area that, you know, spark innovation or something like that. How are you thinking about those and what, what could, how can companies think differently about that, especially if they're working from home? So I want to separate those out. One is the meetings. The other is what, you know, what we might call the water cooler conversations uh, for lack of a better term. Um, Let's start with meetings. Um, Meetings. uh, The best advice I can give you about meetings is none or to reduce them as much as possible. Uh, I mean, you know, I think most people look, uh, look forward to meetings, you know, like, you know, like they do almost any other horrific thing that um, makes people roll their eyes. I mean, I, I, I can't even think of too many things that are worse than a useless office meeting. And I was like, I was trying to just almost talk about something that's worse than a useless office meeting, but um, you know, just visit maybe really unspeakable <laughs> horrors that you don't want to say on a podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so you're saying you know, no meetings. meetings. <laughs> uh, as much as possible. I mean, look, some meetings are going to be necessary. I, I agree with that. But the, the truth of the matter is most company meetings in person, and I can only imagine how many, how many listeners are nodding along right now. Most company meetings are a total waste of time anyway. 
they don't work in person, why would you try and move that virtually? That's insane. How about, uh, how about instead of trying to move the meetings virtually, how about just cutting the meetings? How about just and, taking them out entirely? And now are, are you seeing, because I love the fact that you bring science into these things, what is the science, like have you studied the science on these things and, 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 and is that influencing your, your point of view here? Yes, it is. Uh, so I do, uh, I do primary research on teamwork. Um, I work with uh, Jeff Sandenhout, who's the head of Flow Concepts uh, in the Netherlands, and we, we've been doing uh, research on teamwork together for over a decade. And uh, some of what we've learned, uh, for example, is that people really aren't able to make good connections among teams when they don't know why they're there. So one of, one of the most important things to making teamwork work, and, that, and meetings, making meetings work does require a level of teamwork. Everybody's got to be able to agree and participate in the meeting and contribute effectively. But if people are like, why am I even here? As soon as you've got people thinking, why am I even here? You've got a bad meeting by default. And, um, you know, uh, decades, of it, like many decades of research on teamwork makes this very clear. If you don't know why you're here, you shouldn't be there. And, I, and, and listen, that, I mean, if there's no, if there's no uh, deliberate construction of, like, who, of why people are supposed to be there, uh, just for example, if it's uh, selected indiscriminately, that's also going to be a problem. So the person designing the meeting, running the meeting, needs to know why everybody, each person is going to be there and what they're supposed to be contributing. So, for example, the lack of agenda or the lack of sticking to agenda can really destroy a meeting also. And science is pretty clear on that, too. And, and I, I think that applies for all meetings, right? So what, when you're now, if you're splitting out or double clicking on virtual versus real ones, what are some of the things companies need to think about? So, so overall meetings, let's, let's have less of them, right? But there are still going to be companies because companies, they're meetings. I mean, this is what people do. And in some cases, people identify their productivity around how many meetings they have, but that's for another podcast. When we think about mm -hmm. virtual ones versus real ones, how do they compare? Like, how are you suggesting to companies they need to think differently about virtual meetings? So I would say this is something general about virtual interactions versus live interactions. You're getting a lot less information in a virtual interaction. Um, subtle cues, things like body language. I mean, think about it in a Zoom call. You really don't get to see people's eyes the way that you're used to. You don't have eye contact, and you only see maybe about a third of their bodies. But there's a lot of body language that can happen below the shoulders. Um, some people talk with their hands, and uh, the motions that they make with their hands, or you know, the way that they're shifting their bodies, uh, especially when you're trying to look at you know, a palette of people on a Zoom call, you can't see that information. So it's basically you got to think about the fact that a very large chunk of the nonverbal information that we're used to getting is lost in a virtual meeting, and so and, and that's not and that's not necessarily a problem if you adjust the purpose of the meeting so that you're not, this is not something that relies upon the subtleties, and it's not something where the subtleties are mission critical. You got to you kind of got to take those out, and you really got to stick to like facts, um, opinions that don't require subtlety. Uh, things going back and forth, but for a lot of that other stuff, you really just want one-on-one -on -one or very, very small meetings where you can really uh, get a sense of what's going on and you don't get the overload of trying to monitor so many people at once, for maximum, let's say. So so I'm, I'm uh, half Italian-American, so I, I know hand gestures. Um, I'm an expert. I, uh, I, I That's how I talk, okay? Um, so I, I love the thoughts these 
subtle cues and different reactions, I think you're 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 absolutely spot on there. And I don't think they're really captured well in a in a Zoom setting or any virtual setting in that matter. Not to pick on Zoom, but seems to be the 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 tool of choice these days. Um, I'm seeing a lot of Zoom fatigue. Um, what are your thoughts about just sort of phone calls? Like, are you, would you suggest, you know, removing Zoom and do phone calls? Any, any ideas, any thoughts around that? I'm starting to see a movement around that kind of stuff. Actually, I agree with that by and large. Uh, like I said, any Zoom meeting with more than four people, I don't know why you're doing it. But uh, phone calls are definitely going to be better because in phone calls, we don't have the expectation. We don't, we're not looking for the subtle cues that come from body language, and we also know that we're not giving them. So when we're on the phone, we know that everything that we're doing comes from voice. All the information they get, whether it's verbal or even quote-unquote nonverbal, it's still going to be auditory information, and we know we got to do it that way. Whereas when we're on a Zoom call, we think people are looking at us, and we think we're looking at other people, only we're not. And that's, that's, what, that's what makes it hard. In a certain sense, like you can think of Zoom fatigue as like uh, trying, to read, um, uh, uh, trying to read a text that's like out of focus or out of alignment. That's really going to bother your eyes. Now, for one page, that's all right, maybe a couple pages. But after a while, that really gets rough. And you just don't want to be doing it. So and that's there, the big difference, and that's where people get fatigued. Right. So there, there are companies – that are I want to shift a little bit. So there there are companies, there are traditional companies and traditional leaders um, that feel like if you're in the seat, you're productive, right? Um, if I can see you, I know you're working. Um, so uh, some of these companies who aren't too familiar with a work from home environment um, are thinking about even taking steps to monitor their employees as they work from home, right? Um, they want to make yeah. sure that they're being productive. Um, what are your thoughts here? Is this, is this a good idea or not? Never. I, I just want to make that very clear blanket. One word, <laughs> never. All right. We're good. No. <laughs> What's <laughs> Sure. Fine. Never. I agree. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, of never doing this kind of stuff, but how, how are you convincing that company? That's like, listen, Dr. Davis, I know when someone's sitting at their desk, they're doing work. You don't know that actually. And even if their <laughs> computer says they're doing work uh, mentally, they may be totally checked out or they may be on autopilot. Uh, I don't think that anybody, uh, anybody watching their employees, their knowledge workers, being on autopilot would really call that working. And, and let me say that differently. If you do call that working, um, I would point out that's not exactly knowledge work. That's, that's really closer to like industrial fac uh, factory work. But unless you want people turning their brains off, you got to think about the fact that when people are working for you, you're paying them to keep their brains on, not their butts on and not their fingers on and not their mouths on. So, Productivity begins with that. Productivity begins with recognizing that this is knowledge work and that people need to use their brains and that people can use their brains when they're sitting, when they're standing, when they're at the computers, when they're not at their computers. As a matter of fact, for many knowledge workers, one of the hardest things to do is actually step away from work because it's your brain that does the work. So I'll speak, for example, from uh, my, own, my own experiences. Um, one of the worst parts about being a, a people scientist is that you're always encountering people. You're always looking at people in the world. There's really no stepping out of my laboratory because the world's it. So right. 
uh, and many people, they think about work even after they've, you know, logged off and they've stepped away and they're washing dishes and they get this idea about work. Or, you know, they're, they're, they're uh, you know, using the lavatory and they have this idea. And people, you know, shower thoughts, right? I mean, there's this thing about shower yep. thoughts, the funny shower thoughts that people have. But guess what? People have work-related shower thoughts too. I mean, do you really – I mean, how would these bosses feel – I think they actually feel good about this, but just just imagine this, right? Your employees are thinking about work in the shower, probably because right. they can't turn their brains off, and you're worried about whether they're moving the mouth while they're sitting in a seat. <laughs> yeah, can you punch in and out of your shower so we can track your time uh, in there? Um, but how are you convincing these folks? Because you know this stuff is deeply rooted in tradition, right? Like I, people, it's hard. How? What you know, you talked about the science. You talk about your position as a as a people scientist. Like how how would you convince a company or a leader to say this is a bad idea? Like how would you what you you got to bring data, right? You have to bring the science to them. What what's the science around this that 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 it's a bad idea? That proves it's a bad idea. So uh, first of all, there's been a lot of research on just the science of motivation and the relationship between uh, motivation and creativity. So, you know, in a sense, what I would start with, and, you know, if you want me to talk to a CEO about this, that's really adamant about monitoring employees and things along those lines, my first question to this CEO is, are you running a factory or are you hiring knowledge workers? Because if you're running a factory, then you need to think about the science of factories. And you need to, you need to approach your employees as if they're in a factory. But unless you think of your employees as being literally factory workers, you've got to think about this differently. You have to think about the role of intrinsic motivation, intrinsic rewards, uh, things like meaningful work, uh, things like work that's actually challenging. And uh, research is very clear that these are things that make for good work and a good work environment. Uh, I mean, there's decades of research behind this, the, the role of meaning at work, the role of intrinsic motivation, uh, my own research and my advisor's research on uh, flow in the workplace, uh, Chip Sidney High, who uh, uh, coined the concept of flow, was my advisor in grad school, and I did my uh, dissertation work on flow. I continue to do research on flow in the workplace, and that's really some of the stuff that leads to the highest and most creative performances. So if you want people to do work, you can think about them as being factors. If you want them to do good work, then you've got to start thinking about motivation, you have to think about meaning, you have to think about flow, and most importantly, you've got to think about creativity because you want people to use their heads and to put in the discretionary effort that requires thinking above and beyond the basic prompts that are um, underlying their work. I, I really loved how you framed it up because I think it's simple, and I love, I love the idea of simplicity of factory versus knowledge, right? That to me is an easy, like, hey, leader, you know, where, where, what's the setting about, right? What are you trying to get to? And where is it? Are you, are you in a factory? Great. Let's put the science behind what that looks like. Or is it a knowledge worker? Then let's look at the science there. And I, and I, and I want to double down on the, on the flow comment. I think it's a, a super important thing. Um, but as it pertains to virtual work, so let's, let's take flow and, and, and go into, um, this this new direction here in, in terms of our conversation. So um, there's a ton of people that are talking about, you know, um, there's a Gallup uh, report about working remotely. Is it effective? Gallup research is saying yes. 
Um, you know, some folks are saying remote work, and, and there was an article about being an opportunity for high impact, you know, talking about the climate change piece of it, because people aren't commuting, but we'll leave that for another podcast. But even recently, you know, talking about traditional uh, industries, Jamie Dimon, the CEO of JP Morgan, talked about the idea that, you know, he was talking about how Sundar, the CEO of Google, was talking about working from home. And he, and he feels like he got it wrong that these in-office interactions are critical to innovation, in, in, innovation, excuse me, that working remotely, you lose those in-office interaction. I know we talked about the, um, we started off talking about the, the water cooler conversations. You know, so my, my, my ask in, in this question around flow is, can teams be effective, be as effective virtually as they are in person? Do you, do you take the stands of, Sundar at, at Google, or is it more of a Jamie Dimon that says, you know what, actually these inter-office interactions are critical to innovation? Where, where do you where do you sit on that on that discussion? So I have to give you a, this is where the science and the practice differ. So the science would say uh, theoretically it is absolutely possible for a virtual team to be as productive as a live team. In reality, that's really hard to pull off. So uh, in that sense, I would say, from a, like, you know, thinking pragmatically, most teams don't know how to do it. They don't know how to take the interactions of teamwork virtually, number one, and number two, the technology just isn't there yet. We're not able, for example, to see one another's tableau. We're not able to necessarily read each other and watch each other in real time, and adding the screen is a level of multitasking that we're not used to in teamwork. And, uh, I mean, just for example, like we've had this during the podcast that we're not sure when one of us is done talking. And just missing those little cues, it's hard to have uh, a freewheeling conversation when if you potentially uh, accidentally talk over somebody else, that that, that, person may, that person's mic may cut out because uh, the computers can only handle one mic at a time. Whereas, or, or, you know, handle transmitting one mic at a time, whereas our ears can actually hear and interpret multiple people at once. Uh, we also don't have good whiteboards, although technology is definitely catching up on that one. Um, things to pass back and forth. And uh, by the way, people uh, type slower than they draw or write. So you'd have to get all those things up to scratch, and you'd have to get people used to the idea of ideating virtually, and that takes a really long time. Uh, most people are very, very used to in-person teamwork. And until, until we can get people used to virtual teamwork and really develop good habits around virtual teamwork, uh, and that is a long way away, by the way. Like we're talking probably years, not months. Um, until then, the practice is not going to catch up with the theory and just straight up virtual teamwork will not be as good as live in-person teamwork. Now, I should point out that when I, when I say this, I'm also pointing out that this is creative teamwork. We're talking about instances where people need to get um, maximally creative in ways that really deeply require all the skills of each person. Basic collaboration, which, you know, is very different from that kind of teamwork, uh, can definitely be done virtually, but people need to think about it differently, and people need to think about meetings differently. So if you need to do, like, let's say collaboration on a document, I mean, why are we having meetings at all? Those should be a lot of one-on-one -on -one conversations, um, 
you know, uh, instant message channels, um, collaborative documents, which, you know, many different companies provide, um, comments. And the best part about that is you can take that out of real time. Because by and large, for that, you don't need real time. And if you do, you can schedule a call. But that asynchronous editing and that asynchronous uh, collaboration can work extremely well. And I think people need to be more deliberate about when they need an actual live team creating and brainstorming in the moment versus uh, people who can just um, ideate and iterate uh, collaboratively, not in real time. So I, if I'm interpreting, you're, you're kind of sitting between Jamie and Sundar, but uh, kind of leaning towards let's, let's, get be- let's get folks back in the office, at least now because of the limitations we have with either technologies and, and things that, you know, the, the, the tool sets that we have. Are there, is there one or two things, because, you know, a lot of companies are thinking, all right, you know, oh, my God, we're not going to be as effective um, what are we going to do here? What can they do in the short term, barring any sort of technology updates or some new tools that come out? Like, are there one or two things that companies need to do differently um, to to be as effective if they were in person? Well, just one or two. Um, but, I mean, the first thing is open about the ergonomics and tech that I talked about before. Um, there are a couple of other things that companies need to do, and I, I do want to point out that these are things companies should be doing anyway. And the number one thing I would say is increasing job control. Because I can tell you as, as, a, as a work scientist, as a people scientist, the number one complaint that people have about workplaces is, can my boss, my coworkers, whatever it is, can people step aside and just let me do my damn job? And I can tell you that that holds triple when you're working from home. Because right now, this is not normal work from home. This is not like, you know, I can just, you know, go into a room, close the door, shut out the world, and I'm, quote, unquote, at work. No, we're all at home now. So we have uh, partners, we have relatives, we have kids, we have pets, and they don't understand. We, we can't just switch them all off and be like, okay, family, pets, whatever, I'm at work now, off. It doesn't work that way. And consequently, giving people the ability to do their work, to have control over when they're going to do their work, and how they're going to do their work, and really thinking about how to maximize that as much as possible is probably going to be the most critical thing that companies can do, number one. Number two, recognizing that when you're not giving people the right resources, you're going to have to be more forgiving about the fact that people just won't be as productive, that, that this is a reality check, and it's just an important reality that if you don't give people the resources um, to do a job, they're not going to do it as well. Or you've got to let people be creative and give them control about how they're going to jury-rig their way around this so that they can try and be as productive as they have been. But they need to develop their own flow, and I mean that in more ways than one. And they need to develop their own work system. And the more you're riding them on that, the worse they're going to do. So step back and really give them, really give them the reins. And so the best strategy is as much as you can, just tell employees what you need, um, how good you need it to be, like, what, you know, what is the definition of a good job and when do you need it, and offer whatever resources you can, and then just step back and let them do their jobs, trust them to do their jobs. And by the way, most of us want to do our jobs. We do. We want to do our jobs. We like our jobs by and large. <laughs> so we want to work. So let us work. But let us work in the way that we think is going to be most productive, and I think the benefits will come from that. 
So I, I'm going to leave it there. I, I think that was a great finish for our discussion today. I, I think these are important topics as companies are thinking about not only, by the way, work from home in the short term, but there are some major decisions coming down about, you know, working from home in, in perpetuity. And so, you know, I, I think it's important from a tool set perspective, uh, even though I agree with you, I think some of those tools are behind and hopefully Zoom uh, innovates as quickly as we, as we need them to. But really thinking about this from the employee perspective and then finishing up with what you just talked about, like I want to get my stuff done, give me enough autonomy, give me enough ability to to do that. So I think that's great. Um, Dr. Davis, I really appreciate your viewpoint here. Um, it's, it's a really interesting one because a lot of folks are talking about this work from home now and, and are considering it, especially in the HR space. So I loved your, your point of view. And of course, we love contrarian point of views on, on this show. Where can people find you? Are you uh, do you have Twitter, LinkedIn? Where can people read more about your, your brain dumps? Um, anything where, where folks can reach out to you and, and get to know you a little bit more, but also maybe read some of the work that you're doing or the research that you're, you're performing? Sure. So my main website is the Quality of Life Laboratory. So that's qllab.org, qllab.org. Um, and people can find me on both Twitter and Medium as D-R-O-R-I-N-D-A-V-I-S, just D-R Oren Davis. And um, I do a lot of blog posts. Uh, I tweet occasionally. I've been wanting to do that a little bit more, but I, I definitely write blog posts. And there are a lot of how-tos in the HR world, how to network, how to interview, how to evaluate uh, resumes, uh, and other things about workplace policies, vacation time, uh, things along those lines. And uh, people are, are welcome to those, and I hope that they're very helpful articles. And you can also find them off of my website. So if you just go to qlab.org, you'll find links to everything. I love it. Well, thank you again, Dr. Davis. You've been awesome. Uh, thank you for your insights. Uh, for those folks, our next episode is scheduled for uh, June the 4th. We are going to be calling Bullshit on Using Benchmarks in HR Decisions. So why do you want to be like everyone else when you should be unique? So, Dr. Davis, thank you again for your time today. It was great. Uh, wishing thank you well you. during quarantine. Be safe, uh, and we'll, we'll check in soon. Thanks again. That was great. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.